I say the heir, as long as he is a child, differs nothing from a slave, even though he's lord of everything, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. There's an appointed time for you to walk in certain things. That appointed time is actually birth. <laughs> but as even though you're an heir of many different things, um, you will be treated like a slave, even though you are lord of everything. He said, but you'll be, we'll put you under tutors and governors. Those tutors and governors will be a Holy Spirit. It'll be, any of you remember Rich Dad, Poor Dad? Where, where his dad was not prosperity-minded, but the other kid across the street, his dad was prosperity-minded. See, that's a tutor. You know, um, The Bible says that regardless of where you start, God will make sure something comes across your path that, that will make up the difference um, with what you did not get. That tutor, uh, a tutor and a governor has been what I've been teaching for the last few weeks. It'll be every time you see a Dave Ramsey commercial, or you see an investment commercial, or somebody talks to you about savings. These are different things. And let me tell you something about the tutors and the governors and the lessons in life. If you keep failing, they'll keep coming around, coming back around. Okay, come back around, you'll fail it. And so God will wait, try to give you. And what happens is you'll come back, it'll come to you, and you'll fail this test. And so the tests, okay, they're not ready. So we got to let, let a little time go by so they can try to grow a little bit more because at least you're supposed to get wiser as you get older and then they bring that thing back around again well to see they failed again all right well we need to wait a little bit more time how many of you notice it seems like sometimes the same things keep coming across your path especially now when you get this type of teaching you can go back in the past and realize mm, 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 mm. Dino, when i walked in the door dino was like man i just want to thank you right now i said what he said man he said this is the third go around with this vision board third go around see See, is God trying to get our attention? But let me tell you why it was difficult. Because if, if somebody was, if you saw this all day long, if you got this at church, you got this at school, and your parents drove you, it would be second nature. It would be unconscious to do this. Now we're trying to catch up. Like, Lord, you got to be kidding me. I want to kill somebody. I just want to, woo. Here, let me give it some. Let me give some natural things. I got two more passages of scripture. I don't want to throw some natural statement here, things in here in these last fifteen minutes, and that is. The things that you need to be focusing on are the same things you would focus on if you had a million dollars. And that is, number one, getting out of debt. There's two master ways, pretty much, of, um, and be careful with your over-focus on debt. What you should be focusing on is generating money, not the debt. If you just focus on the debt, you're going to get depressed. But you need to be focusing on generating money. The main two ways you do that is you stop spending um, and you find ways that you can uh, get rid of certain things and find a way to generate some income. So many different ways to generate. You know, let me tell you something. It's so much stuff right now I can think up that I that the Holy Ghost is not going to let me do. Oh, man, I can think up some stuff. I mean, I, talk, I joked my wife today. I was telling her, I, mean, I said, it's just so many different ways to just make. I was talking about, how, uh, about the benefit of what would happen if you could just make a certain small amount of money per day every day. You know, you got these guys, you've seen them every once in a while on the corner in the, in the hot summertime, and they uh, they go to Kroger and get a pack of water for $5, and they sell it on the street for a dollar, tripling their profits. So I joked with my wife today, I said, so if I'm not at home, and you texting me and you don't know where I am, I might be one of them out there, man. Just You'd be surprised what you can come up with if, if you're willing to do it. I mean, I mean, just a little thing like some of you have, have vehicles that are nice, and I'm not saying you should do that. I just I throw ideas out there because I throw as I throw ideas out there, people are like I never thought of that. You know, um, driving for Uber, you had to drive for Uber eight hours a day. What if you just drive for Uber, just to make twenty five dollars a day? It's a hundred dollars a week. It's four hundred dollars a month. I mean, just a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So the main ways to generate income are you can always get a second job. Um, you, you can always get a business, uh, real estate, and you can start going into the stock market. Real estate, you got to be going to it slowly. Stock market, you got to go into it slowly because stock market is a whole universe all by itself. But the stock market makes more millionaires than any other pretty much institution. Um, it's education. I, I talked to somebody this week. It's a trainer. And he said, I stopped training. You know, a guy's very physically fit. He said, I stopped training people. I said, why is that? He said, I just got tired of people wasting my time. He said, uh, he said, people want it in their mind, but they don't really have it in their heart. 
And he said, and so he said, I can't keep telling a person what to do and then they're making excuses. I'm telling them what to eat and they don't eat it. And he said, you have to want it, you know, and really the ones you work with are the ones who want it so bad. They don't know. They don't even want it for physical training. Just, I'll just let me just jump into the fire. You know what I'm saying? So it can be the same thing financially is that is, there's a lot of information out there. But unfortunately, especially in this generation, society has been created in such a way where we are very, very impatient. We are so impatient, we get impatient for the quick popcorn. You know the microwave popcorn? Y'all know good and well that the thing is microwave, especially when you're hungry. And, you know, I'm talking about that type of hungry where, man, church was good, but I'm about to eat this food and watch this television program. And the microwave was on for 30 seconds. you sitting there, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. You know, and that's the problem with having a fast society is that it fast only increases impatience. And so as a result of that, this instant culture, well, now, I mean, I mean, there's every time I have a question, I just Google it. If I don't know what a word means, I Google it. If I see something on the news, or a political term, a business term, I just Google it. All of the instantaneous, all of the instantaneous. And so sometimes when, but it, when it comes to wealth building, that's slower. It requires you to, it, it doesn't, you can't just, you can't just read a book, I'm a gazillionaire tomorrow. No, you might have to read for six months straight every day for three, four hours. Now, when you're done with that process, you got some education, you can do some stuff, okay? So I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just saying, okay? So and so, let me add this last part because this is where we're going to start. <laughs> that was a good question there, Carol. I don't know. Well, I, I want to just, this last part we're going to mention is I want you to see how um, saving money attracts the supernatural. Most people have never heard that before. Okay, you're saving money or you're if you can increase money, whether it be you disconnect some cable services. You know, nowadays I'm talking about I told my wife we were in prayer. I told my wife, remind me to talk to you about the cable. Because there's so many different there's so many different. You know, now I could keep the cable, but I'm on a mission right now. y'all. When I say I'm on a mission, I mean, I'm on a mission where I might be interested in eating bread and beans for the next five. I mean, I'm on a serious mission. This ain't a mission to get out of that. This is I'm trying to reorganize myself to put myself in a position to clown. Y'all know what I mean by that. That's just a slang term for, you know. Yeah, <laughs> y'all are funny. So but but whether it is you increase your money by getting out of debt, whether you start saving on purpose, whether you start a business, some type of way. And so uh, so let's look at this. Uh, we're going to read two passages to get to one point. Matthew 25, 14. For, and this God is talking about the kingdom, how it operates. For it is just like a man about to go on a journey who called his slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. It's amazing how much, how many examples are used with money. To one he gave five talents to another two and to another one, each according to his own ability, and he went on his journey. Stop right there. What you have right now is based on your own ability. Now, we don't like that, but what you have right now is based on what you can handle. Now, this is what's crazy. You can increase what you can handle dramatically almost overnight by renewing your mind, beginning to practice certain things, saving money, changing the mentality, being willing... Delayed gratification syndrome. They don't like that phrase at all. You know what that means? It means don't buy nothing right now so that you'll be able to buy everything in the future. Delayed gratification syndrome is you have a married couple. Both of them work, but they don't worry about a bigger house right now. They say, let's come into agreement and let's live off of one income in an apartment and save money for five years. And then you can buy a house cash. All right. Immediately, the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and gave five more talents. In the same manner, the one who had received two talents gained two more. But he who received the one talent went away and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. The one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See how I've gained five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. Keyword. You were faithful with a few things. 
I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Also, the one who had received the two talents came and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I've gained two more. His master said, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one who had received the one talent, I mean, no, they knew who to give the one talent to because he wasn't going to do nothing in the first place. They'll at least give you something, but they're not going to give you a lot. The one who had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering you where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid and went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, here it is right back. Now, what's deep about this is how the master, which is Jesus, you would think that if you gave somebody something and they gave you the same amount back, okay, cool. No. They get mad if they give you something and you give the same back. Look at this. But the master said to him, you wicked, lazy slave. You knew that I reap where I did not sow and gathered where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have put my money in the bank. And on my arrival, I would have at least received my money back with interest. This is how increased minded God is. Therefore, take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has the most. Liberals hate that. Because that's not common sense to them. Why would you give it to the one the most? Because of the principle of the kingdom. For to everyone who has, more shall be given. And he will have an abundance. But the one who does not have, even what he does have, shall be taken away. Okay? So this is a principle of saving. Quit worrying about the amount. Do what you can already do. See, let me, let me tell you how God thinks. If all you can save is a dollar, save the dollar. Why? Because to him who has, more shall be given. If you save a dollar, then we'll give you more because it's not the amount. It's the mentality to save. You understand that? So you're thinking about, well, I can't save $100. Didn't nobody say nothing about saving $100? Y'all, if you do an experiment where you just begin to save whatever you can. Let me, let me tell you something. Y'all want to hear something that the Holy Spirit told me today? He said, you have natural 401ks, but then you have heavenly ones too. Y'all know what a 401k is? Because you save, the company then says, well, if you save $10, we'll add another five. Never realizing that a 401k is set up based on a heavenly principle. To him who has, more shall be given. We set up a natural company. We set up a 4K. Let's say IBM. We set up a 401k. So whoever puts money in, more money will be added by us. It's not your money, but because you put it in, we're going to add our money to what you put in. Y'all got me? So in the same way, if you start saving money on purpose, God will then begin to add to that. Let's read the second one. Luke 19, 11 through 26. While they were listening to these things, now that was the parable of the talents. This is the parable of the pounds. Two separate parables, but the only difference is in the first one, everyone was given an amount based on their ability. In the second one, everyone was given the same amount. Luke 19, 11. While they were listening to these things, Jesus went on to tell a parable because he was near Jerusalem and they supposed that the kingdom of God was going to appear immediately. So he said, a nobleman went to a distant country to receive a kingdom for himself and then return. He called 10 of his slaves, gave them 10 minas, which is a certain amount of money. King James says 10 pounds and said to them, do business with this until I come back. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we do not want this man to reign over us. When he returned after receiving the kingdom, remember Jesus said he went to go receive a kingdom. He ordered that these slaves to whom he had given the money be called to him so that he might know what business they had done. The first appeared saying, Master, your mina has gained 10 minas more. He said, well done, good slave, because you have been faithful in this very little thing. You ought to be in authority over 10 cities. That's an extreme difference in the reward versus the responsibility. That's, this parable is also more talking about also the, the spread and the difference in the reward in eternity based on what you do in planet Earth. I mean, how many of you know just a small amount of money? And I created times 10. Now you're going to give me 10 cities. That's crazy. The second came said, Mina, your master's gained five. He said, uh, and you ought to be over five cities. Another came, master, here's your Mina, which I kept put away in a handkerchief. 
he must be the other guy's cousin. For I was afraid of you because you are an exacting man. You take up what you did not lay down and you reap what you did not sow. He said to him, by your own words, I'll judge you, you worthless slave. Did you know that I'm an, you knew that I was an exacting man, taking up where I did not lay down and reaping where I did not sow. Then why did you not put my money in the bank? I mean, this stuff is root. The kingdom of God is all about that money, ain't it? And having come, I would have collected it with interest. Then he said to the bystanders, take the one away from him and give it to the one who has the most. And they said to him, master, but he already has 10. Yeah, that's y'all problem. He said, I tell you that everyone who has more shall be given. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. Okay. So God rewards the producers, not the takers. Always remember that. And we don't like that in this democratic society. We don't like, we, we, it's funny, y'all. I know y'all don't like this. Some of you may not like this, but people always say the rich get richer. Yeah, it's a reason for that. One of the reasons is God is helping them. Because it is, we just read it in money. To him who has, more shall be given. From him who does not have, what he does have will be taken away. Why? Mentality. God rewards mentality. And God is an increase God, not a subtraction God. Y'all got me? And this, is, this goes into other things too. Okay. I was uh, one of the things that Michael was telling us this past Sunday. I did not know. I did not know that a Warren Buffett, who's one of the richest men in the United States, and Bill Gates, who I think is the richest man in the United States, they have an agreement. Whoever dies first gets the other's money. Because they both are philanthropists. And they both understand we didn't create this to live large. We created this to be a blessing to mankind. So in Warren Buffett's clause, it says if I die first, Bill Gates gets a large percentage of this because he'll do the right thing with it. And Bill Gates said in my clause, if I die first, Warren Buffett gets it because I know he'll do the right thing with it. Because to him who has, more shall be given. Okay, The more you produce, the more you attract. The more you don't have, it's a mentality. Okay, and, and I can't afford to save. Yes, you can. You're just always chasing your bills. And when you keep chasing the bills and you won't stop and say, you know what? We already don't have enough. We might as well go ahead and start saving something. You know, I, I, I like this principle. Just so you all know this, you know, we do the Dave Ramsey classes and we'll be doing another one. If you're interested, let us know. But one of the things that they suggest, which is very, very wise, is for you to start with a $1,000 emergency fund. So that when something happens, you're not, oh, what am I going to do? You should be able to go right into your account. If you keep chasing the problem, you know, what you, this is the mistake you would make. Well, let's pay us all, all of our debts first and then create an emergency fund. That's not the proper way. Okay? And see, all of this is stuff that the kingdom of God recognizes as you are masters of everything, but your mentality makes us treat you like a slave. Because because God rewards producers, not debt payers. He rewards producers. So it does not matter how much debt you are in. If you never stop and start just producing money to be set aside, you will be telling God, I still have the slave mentality of chasing a problem. Instead of I understand I have a problem, but you know what? I got to start changing the way that I do things. When you change the way that you start doing things, you start saving money, you start producing money, then God comes in and he helps you. Up until then, you're just left to the mercy. Okay? After that, they suggest that you that every person should work on having, after you get a $1,000 emergency fund, then they, then they say you should work on getting three to five months income in the bank. I mean, we got a whole lot of work to do. We're going to put all of us in a bunch so that we can feel like this together. Some people are already out. Some are not. Some are close. Okay. Three to five months income in the bank. What? Mm -hmm. You can do it if you focus on it. Okay. It's amazing, y'all. Let it be. The, let, let your favorite singer come to town and you got $10 in the bank. Mysteriously, you come up on some money. People come up with some money when they do what they want to do. Let it be the right sale. Okay. 
three to five months income in the bank so that if something happens or if you need to do something else or something like that, you can then not then live off the money. But if you are forced to use it, you are there and you have a cushion. The best is actually six months, half a year. Okay. And, you know, and, and I put, I just put a couple, see, I, I, I put down my thoughts about, man, what would happen if you could generate another $25 a day? If, let me tell you, if you generated, if you could generate $25 a day for a year, that would be $9,000. $50 a day would be $18,000. $100 a day would be $36,000. Imagine being able to do that for five years. I don't know how. Think up something. My wife will tell you. Half the stuff I think up, I can't do. Oh, I'm dead serious. She tell you, she, there's been some stuff. Oh, I've been, y'all, I've been in everything from from being a police officer to, you know, Uber driver to. Oh, I didn't come up with all type of stuff. You know, we. Were, I remember one time. I don't know who I was riding with. It might have been Mozart. We were driving to the Riverdale location, and and we got to I-20 and Thornton Road. We saw all these kids. We we thought a scenario had happened in the gas station. These two kids went to Krispy Kreme Donuts and bought as many donuts as they could. And because there's no Krispy Kreme Donuts on this side of town, they were in the gas station selling the Krispy Kreme Donuts for profit. You would have thought Krispy Kreme said, this is our last day in operation. If you don't get these donuts today, you will never taste them again. People were about to cause an accident trying to get them donuts. Because what happened was like, look at these crazy fools sitting over here selling these Krispy, Krispy Kreme Donuts. And then it hit us, wait a minute. You know, you ever see somebody you talk about like, wait a minute, maybe I should be doing this. Have somebody else preach on Sunday. Luke 14, 28. This is very important. Because unfortunately, in faith circles, they do not teach this. Luke 14, 28. But don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money. Then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. I don't know what y'all laughing about. Or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat 20,000 soldiers marching against himself. And if he can't, he will send a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. Hey, so this, we kind of have to come back around and reverse this. And this, guess what? This, I'm about to say a word that might make people leave the church. I'm going to just look at the wall of my, my imagination congregation, imaginary congregation, they went on vacation for a long time. They went on a missionary trip to Africa. So they're back now to support me tonight. That's my means then. Some people might have to downsize. Okay. Let me just say it. We don't like that. It means, guess what? I know this may sound crazy, but for some, it means I might have to go from a house to an apartment. For some, it means that you know, I might have to live with somebody for a couple of time, a couple of months or something like that. You know what I'm saying? We always we all see that as oh that means I'm not in faith. No, that means it's the rosebush principle. You cut it back and it grows stronger. And so and so because because and we don't like this, but because see the, what's dangerous about people of faith is we will jump out there on a limb with no foundation to catch us if we fail, and we become Peters. We have enough faith to jump out there, but not enough faith to continue. And if you don't, if you are not absolutely beyond a, beyond a shadow of a doubt sure that you have enough faith to see this all the way through, then you need to wait and plan and not jump out there in the water. Because all we do is we get ourselves in trouble. And then when we get ourselves in trouble, we then get depressed. And then we say, well, God wasn't there for me. No, he was there for you. He didn't tell you to go out there and jump out there and create a bridge with no harness. He can tell you to jump off of the, the mountain with no parachute. What we do is, is that we do these things, okay? And then sometimes you can make a right decision, and then the second decision is wrong, okay? And so, and so unfortunately, this is like this in the world, period, but it can be worse sometimes in the body of Christ because there is no planning. There is no let's start small and then go big because God is going to have our back. And we got to stop doing that. I can tell by us squad in here. We all been, I know I've been there. That's how I lost my first house. 
I don't have no problems hearing that. Yeah, you got too many people that don't want to. Everybody, everybody's squeaky clean on Facebook. Everybody's squeaky clean in their pulpits. Okay, but, but it's real easy to be squeaky clean when you living off the other people's money. Ain't nobody you ain't shared with them how many mistakes you make. That's why I don't have a lot of respect for people right now because I know they lying. Okay, you're supposed to be examples to the flock as a leader, an example, which means if you made a mistake, you're supposed to share it with them. That don't mean that you share everything. That don't mean if I robbed a bank 20 years ago that I'm supposed to then tell y'all, hey, man, you know, they're still looking for me. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm talking about that. <laughs> everything ain't meant to be shared with everybody. Y'all know what I'm saying? Everything ain't meant to be shared. Okay? But, 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 but that's, where, that's where you are. That, that we have to, we ha- because watch, hmm, Jesus. I'm going to say something really tough. Watch this. Doing it based on what they've been telling ain't been working this far. <laughs> I said, what they've been teaching us this far ain't been working. What's been working is grace and mercy, not prosperity and increase. And, and, and there's, you know how they talk about the big elephant in the room? Man, it's an it's a intergalactic dinosaur from Pluto in the room of the church right now. And she's made so many mistakes, nobody wants to stand up and say, y'all, we just messed up really, really big. We taught it wrong. And because no one is willing to, you know what I mean, no one, I don't know everyone. But because so many are unwilling to say that, the masses are still going for the Cheerios. Instead of saying, y'all know what, y'all, the kingdom of God is not based on just jumping out there, saying, won't he do it, and flying by the seat of your pants. God is a God of discipline. He's a God of planning. He's a God of order. His thing is, Y'all, do you know the supernatural will actually help you more if you're orderly than if you're not? But that has not been taught. I had to learn that the hard way through my own personal mistakes of jumping out there like everybody else said and then losing stuff. And I was like, okay, where did I go wrong? And it took a while for me to learn because I didn't have nobody to talk to. You know, because then you hear stuff like, well, brother, just have faith. Or you did something wrong. Yeah, I know I did something wrong, but don't tell me what I did wrong. I need to know what I did wrong. So I don't repeat this thing. And then when you're unsure, then you jump out there on faith again, then you lose again. Now, in the world, they do this because remember the stat that I read this past weekend about how, you know, millionaires, uh, the average is they dabble and dabble in about 18 different businesses before they succeed. But what we have to do is we have to, for many of us, regardless of where we are, we need to kind of take a step back and say, okay, I cannot be ashamed if I have to take a step back. So that's kind of where we are. We'll get ready to close this. Now. I'm going to see if I have one question. If you have a question, go ahead and lift your hand so I can have somebody give you the mic while I'm finishing this last point. Um, but uh, so we, we got to look at, okay, let's start by planning. There's a different level of faith you have when you have money in the bank and you step out versus when you don't. When you don't have money in the bank, what we call faith is usually people stepping out on fear. And, and I mean, I'm having, I mean, and let me say something. I, I, I got to use wisdom. I don't know. I might have to ask God for wisdom. I'm, I'm having to restructure some things now because, you know, I have, you know, we've given out so much of benevolence. We've always given. Uh, but at this point, we've had so many people now, it's exhausted our benevolence thing. So I'm restructuring things in a certain way where I'm going to start adding to that every single day. Every single day we'll be doing that. But um, but the truth be told is, and so we have to, we're going to build it up to a particular level. So cause I really want to be able to help people, but I really have to exercise wisdom too because, oh Jesus, there are some or sometimes it's ordained for you to lose. You know what I'm saying? It's ordained for you to lose because you don't uh, learn the lesson. I know for me, if I hadn't lost that first house, I would have never learned the lesson, which means I would have made the mistake on a bigger something. Okay. Um, and so watch this, made a bigger, made them, watch this, never learned a lesson with a house while end up learning a lesson with the church. There was a lesson I had to learn with the church where somebody got me and the Lord let me learn that lesson with a small amount. He said, you couldn't have done that at 7 million. You would have ruined yourself. It was a small amount, but I, I didn't know. And I, somebody got me. It was a scam and I didn't know. See, and so there are certain lessons that you have to learn. I'm trying to get you to understand. You know, here's another one. Somebody asked me a very, very good question this week. They said, will God ever move upon you to ask somebody? 
Absolutely. The scripture says, give to him who asks, and from him that will borrow, turn not thy way. We got to put ourselves in a position so we can always have, you know, for people to ask. Okay. And, um, and then the other thing is God told you to ask him as your heavenly father. Surely he wouldn't have a problem with you asking another brother or sister. Sometimes we don't ask because of fear and pride. Well, you know, I, I don't, I'm, you know, no, 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 nothing. You just don't want to ask because you're prideful. And, and sometimes the Lord will do that. He has moved upon us in different seasons in our marriage where the Lord said, go talk to this person. He would just, this person wouldn't leave me. I would ask them and they'd be like almost mad that I didn't ask them sooner. You know, so our, what I'm saying is all of these things are not you being out of faith. See, and, and, and what happened is, is I think sometimes with the charismatic, see in the world, they'll just ask. You know what I'm saying? They'll just ask. They're not trying to articulate are they in faith or not. Or, you know, am I, am I going to lose my blessing? What does God feel about this? Oh, I don't know. I mean, how many, that's, that's too much gunk on the inside of you where you're so confused and you clam up. You want to ask, but you don't want God to be mad at you. And it's just really clear. Ask. Some of y'all got relatives you can ask right now, but you won't because of your pride. I know I had pride. I didn't want to ask my relatives. But yet some of them relatives came through. But it was my pride that didn't want to ask. So you gotta you gotta lower yourself. You know, in a book by Andrew Murray called Humility, he said, A humble man can never be embarrassed. Only time you embarrass is because you're in pride. You want to maintain your composure because you feel less than. Feelings are fickle. You are not less than. The system is designed for you to always need another man or woman's help. It's designed that way. You're going to need someone's help. The only reason why this church is at the level that it's at in its small infancy that's about to change is because of other people, not just me. I've had to listen to other people's suggestions. I've had to listen to other people's chastisement. I've had to listen to other people's rebukes. I've had to listen to things and I thought it was the right way and it was the wrong way. I haven't made that many mistakes, but because one, I'm slow and I pretty much listen and my wife will tell you, even if I tell you no, I'll be thinking for the next two months, why did I tell that person no and did I miss it? Now, I don't mean I'm perfect. I'm sure there's some stuff that the Lord wants to talk to me about right now, you know, that I haven't heard. But y'all got my point. You know. So Hebrews 6.12 is the last one. I just picked it out. It says, don't be slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. A lot of people read that and all they hear is faith. They don't hear patience because let me tell you something. Sometimes you have to rework your life to put you back in a position for you to spring forward. That might mean you don't want to work a job, but you need to work one for three to six months. Okay. Had an individual um, who lives in a different state, so you'll never meet him. And um, what? Oh, I'm sorry. She was like, these two right here. I got to watch two. Bonnie and Clark. And, uh, and this individual was just sharing with me about, you know, they, they, didn't have, they didn't have anything. And this is somebody that is a middle-aged individual. They didn't have anything. And, and I, had, I had to tell them that that's, at, at this particular age, it's not good for you to be okay with living with another person. You don't have transportation. You don't have this, you don't have that, you don't have this. And you have a little small, small, small part-time job. This is a faith issue. You need to go out there and get two, three jobs. I told the person, go get two, three jobs. That's what you need to do. You need to work on your transportation. You need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this. Then they admitted, of course, that they were very sheltered when they were brought up. And and so this is this new, and that's okay. Because in, in some ways, I was sheltered, but not to that degree. You know, I was I was sheltered more from the wickedness that was in the world, which I still thank God for that people. There have been people that have mocked that because of how I grew up. There have been people that have mocked the fact that I have never smoked. Um, I did not drink, um, never been to jail, didn't use profanity. So there's some people even in ministry that think that I am unqualified to minister to people. And, and it's deep because I believe that at first. I believe that even before I started the church, I had made up in my mind that because I hadn't been through all of the muck and the mire, I even heard named preachers say that. You can't tell me nothing if you ain't been through the same thing. Well, Jesus hadn't been through none of it, but yet he was perfect. 
at helping everybody. It's not if you've been through it. It's are you sensitive to the Holy Ghost to tell you he will, the feeling of their infirmities, when the Holy Ghost involved, you will feel what they feel like you've been through the same thing. Okay. And so, so I went into the ministry thinking I was disqualified. And all of the stuff that I thought I would be disqualified at, I'm a master at. Killing the folk that actually been through it and minister about it. Okay, quit having a low value of yourself, y'all. Whether you've been through it or you haven't, God is going to qualify you the same. You qualified because he made you qualified. Not whether or not you've been through it or not. Okay, so. So, so you know, so we need to start there. I mean, it's, it's you know, we all of, we're all going to get out this situation. But there are some people that you may, you might, you might have to bite the bullet or something. You know what I'm saying? And it's okay. Go ahead. I'm hearing this question as I'm in my seat. Still over here. That's a little dead area there. Right here. Okay. Isn't asking, uh, isn't asking the plan B? If I ask someone, isn't that a plan B? When you've told us not to have a plan B, just trust God, believe God. If I ask someone, is that my plan B? But if you have asked the Lord, what should I do? And this is the instruction that he gives you. It is not the plan B because the first thing was you seeking the Lord. If that's the instruction that he gives, you have to then ask yourself, why don't you want to ask? Which is what he was saying earlier about your pride. And that might be the very thing he's trying to break on the inside of you. And you think, I don't have pride. I don't have pride. I'm not prideful. I'm not prideful. And he's trying to show you that it's there. So the plan B, the plan B is not the asking. It is the instruction. So when you're asking, what do I do? Can I add this? And let me say this too. And that is, y'all, you could, there, it's possible for you to be looking at different avenues, but trusting God through the entire thing. In other words, see, true faith is, oh, this is going to work out. It's going to work. That's where faith is. And, and, and charismatics have gotten so caught up in the, just this perfecting thing, you know, just it's, oh, it, it's got to be this way. And you have all of these. And some of them are true. They have all these wonderful stories about somebody who's just waiting by the bushes, worshiping Jesus, you know, and a donkey came past and said, by the way, this is for you today. And, and you had those testimonies. But if you like me, you've been in some scenarios. I couldn't hear from God. I don't know what was coming. I was going. I was exercising faith. But the walls were closing in. Pure faith is what David said, uh, though you kill me, I will still trust him. Amen. Pure faith is the three Hebrew boys. The Lord is going to deliver us, but if he don't, we still ain't going to bow down to serve you. See, that's faith. Faith is, okay, I'm not sure how God is going to do it, but I believe he's going to do it. Well, guess what? He said, I have not because I asked not. Well, let me call my relatives because God might touch their heart when I call them on the phone. See how simple that is? Then the relative says, uh, says, no, I don't have it. Okay, well, thank, thank you. I appreciate it. God is getting ready to do it another way. See, that's faith. Many, many years ago, my husband had a great, great desire to go to Korea and meet um, Youngie Cho. Youngie Cho. Yeah, Pastor Youngie Cho. We found out our bishop was going. And so while all the other ministers and people in the congregation, they're praying and believing God that the Lord will speak to the bishop and take me on the trip, he asked, could he go? And what we talked about was like, hey, babe, why don't you just ask if you can go on the trip? All he can say is no. So we went to sleep that night agreeing, okay, he'll go ahead and ask. And the Lord woke me up in the middle of the night and gave me all the words to say in this letter. I worked there at the church at the time. So I was called into his office and said, hey, did you help write this letter? Yes, I did. And he read the letter, read the letter. Okay, he can go. But he has to pay for his own expenses. Okay, not a problem. You want to go too? Yes, I do. But I, by that time, I was pregnant. So I said, by that time, my baby will be about four months old. So it's not a good time. It would not be a good time for me to go away. So I declined the offer to go. And I was a graduate from Bible school. And I was not, that, that, that church had like 24 ministers on staff, full time. I was not on staff. Some of them were exercising faith to go. And I'm not saying that they were wrong for that. But they were exercising faith. Lord, please speak to the bishop. Please speak to the bishop. I want to go to Korea. I wasn't doing none of that. I just asked him, could I go? And this is the, I asked him, could I go? She said, Holy Spirit, woke her up at 3 o'clock in the morning, had her formulate the letter. She spoke to him like she said. He got to pay his own way, though. Okay, no problem. I had been saving the money anyway. Got to pay his own way. 
we get on the trip, and then that same pastor rebuked me when I tried to pay my own way. So I got ready. We had the hotel desk, and I got ready to pay for everything. What you doing? I'm supposed to do that. No problem, sir. I will be obedient to your every single command. It ain't the time to argue. Well, you told me back in Detroit that I had to pay my own way. This is an integrity issue. Nope. If you tell me I'm out of order when it comes to the money, I'm not reminding you of nothing. Okay? So, but, 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 but see, and that's where, let me tell you something. The Bible says that when we came to Jesus and the disciples and feeding the people, it says Jesus asked them a question. And it says he only asked them to see what they would say because he knew what he was going to do. So, so if, if you got a particular need and, 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 and you want to wait on God, that's fine. But, but you're not out of faith because you asked a family member or a friend or, tr- or any other type of stuff. You know what I'm saying? So, so it's just that when that door closes, say, well, you know what? God is coming through, but it's not coming through this way. But I, you know what? It's coming through. It's getting ready to happen. I called a relative once. I mean, I just really felt like I was supposed to call a relative, and I asked for a certain amount of money. And that person told me no and gave me a lecture and a speech and all of these point one through tens. And I just listened, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am. Hung up the phone. The next day, I got to go, baby, come get this money. And I'm thinking, you got this kind of money in your house. Baby, come get this money. I just, I don't know what I was thinking. I don't know what happened in that 24-hour period. I don't know what the Lord said of an angel appeared. I don't know what happened. But she said, come get it. And I just was so baffled that you would have this money at your house. But okay, I'm coming over. Yeah, you rebuked her for asking and turn around and apologize for rebuking her. Because, baby, you strong. You strong, baby. You know, you strong. You hit all them kids. And, you know, I don't know what I was thinking because you a strong woman. And I don't know. I don't know what the Lord spoke. I don't know what he said or what he did. I just followed the instruction that I was given was to call and ask. So I guess that was my pride, her pride. I mean, whatever was going on there, it was broken. Yes. And so that's so. So get out of this nervousness of is God going to be mad at me? Just. Do your part. Okay? Do your part. I mean, y'all understand what I'm saying? But that's where the body of Christ is right now, at least in some circles, is I got to, if I don't do it perfect, God ain't going to bring it through. Yeah, you got an example of a guy in scripture that said, Lord, I believe, but I need you to help my unbelief. In other words, man, I believe, but I'm struggling. Well, go ahead. Take some of my units of faith, then, and we'll bring this on through. You. Two. This is just two examples. The first one, the Lord wanted me to share it with you all. I was going down the street. My husband at that time was in San Antonio, Texas. I was living in Knoxville, Tennessee with four small children. And he was in the military, and he said, you're going to go see your husband this week. I'm going to get you to. I said, I got a dime in my pocket. I can't wait to see this. That's what I said to the Lord, okay? I, 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 I was anticipating how he was going to do this. So I had a friend of mine, and I called her. I said, you know, God told me blah, 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 and he's going to do this and this. And I said, I can't wait. And she said, you know what? The Lord had put on my heart to pay for your airplane ticket. I got the money for the airplane ticket, the hotel, and extra money within, I think it was then 24 hours. So I just waited. There was another incident. I was having my prayer time in the morning. I had a bill. That was pressing. So I was praying. I was on my knees. He said, what's wrong? Put, put, what's bothering you? And I was like, that, 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 I'm not, you know, I'm in faith. I, that. But he said, what is wrong? And I said, well, this is bothering me. He said, I'm going to have your brother to call you. Don't say nothing to him until he says this phrase. What do you need? And when he says that, you ask him. And I did it, and he, he paid for it immediately. Amen. See? See, and so that's, see, this is where, this is where, see, this is where when you go to some of the denominational circles like the Baptists and the Methodists, this is the reason why them old mothers don't care nothing about you. This is why they sit up there and say, baby, God didn't come through for me more times than I can count. It, it, it wasn't because they were doing stuff perfectly. It was because no matter what closed door was there, they still believed that God was going to come through. Yes. And if they lost everything, they believed that God was going to restore them. Right. See what I'm saying? That's, that's pure faith yes. is knowing that God is with me at all times through my mistakes, my ups, my downs. And no matter what I tear up or mess up or do right, 
God is still going to be there with me. See? So you got to get rid of all of this condemnation that God is looking for a reason to be mad at you. Looking for a reason, watch this, to judge you. Looking for a reason. They're looking for a reason to do it, not for a reason not to do it. But with that, but unfortunately with that teaching and some of those line up online instructions, and then you hear these testimonies, and a lot of testimonies um, from preachers, unfortunately, are being shared as this is because God did it this way for me, this is how he does it. I will never say what God won't do. Unless it's clear in scripture where I won't bless you because of sin. But you got to be careful with that because he said his son shines on the just and unjust. And it's the goodness of God that causes men to repent. Get out of your mind what God will and will not do. Okay. Faith is, Lord, you see the situation that I'm in. And so I'm going to exhaust what I know. Because you could be moving on somebody's heart. Sometimes you get an impression to call somebody. Sometimes you just call somebody because you feel like calling them. And, and sometimes the Lord may touch that person's heart. You don't know. There's nothing wrong with you exhausting certain things, but just trusting God all the way through. Just not getting depressed. Well, you know what this person said? No. You know, I got a couple other people that I can call. You know, th- let me tell you something. There have been people over the years. I will never forget this girl. Her name is Erica. And we were in the bookstore at the church. This is the sad part. I shouldn't even been doing this. I couldn't even afford it. I shouldn't say that, but I just shouldn't have been doing it. The girl, we were in the bookstore, and we had this evangelist by the name of Tim Story. And he had this, I know you, do you remember how much I think of? See, I knew she remember. See, I don't even remember what it was. I don't even remember. Okay? And, and we were in the store, and I was standing there looking at the material, and she was standing there. This is just what she did. She turned around and looked at me. You know what? The Bible says you have not because you ask not. Would you mind buying this thing for me? And before I knew it, I had whipped up my American Express and brought that thing for the girl. And she was on her merry way before I even thought about it. Y'all, there is a measure of faith. You have to be careful. And I don't know where the line is. Because if we were supposed to know where the line is, God would have told us where the line was. But I don't know where the line is where you don't ask somebody versus you do. I don't know where the line is all of the time where you just wait on God versus ask somebody, can they help you? I don't know where that line is. Do you? Therefore, ask. And that might be the line right there. That girl turned right around. I whipped out that American Express just like that. I remember I was looking at my car. I came. You ever do something for somebody? I can't even believe I'm doing this right now. I don't even know you like that. That's how people get stuff done. Don't be afraid to ask. God said all through his word, ask, ask, ask. Ask and it shall be given. It would be very wrong for God to tell you to ask him constantly, but then be mad at you if you ask another man. When he told the men in scripture that they've asked you, give it if you have it. And loan it if you want to, if you want to loan it. Okay. So that scripture is in there. Give to him who asks. And from him who asked to borrow, don't turn away. So that's a destruction to another man. If that's instruction to another man, then it's because God knew that there's some people was going to be asking. <laughs> so that's fine if you want to pray and ask the Lord to speak to somebody's heart to be a blessing unto you. That's fine if you want to do that. What if that person can't hear? What if that person's not sensitive? What if that person's being disobedient? Like, you know, I'll get to it next week. I'll get to it next month. I'll get to it next year. What if that person clearly knows they're supposed to help you, but they don't act on it? Until you ask. There was a man that gave Kenneth Copeland a watch. Was it a year? It was a whole year before that man obeyed and finally gave the watch. So there may be someone who knows they're supposed to do They forget. They're negligent. they just slow to obey. So be led. I'll say this last statement so we can get up out of here. And that is, oh, I didn't mean it that way, though. Um, and that is, I was riding in the car one time. This is, this is the danger side of not asking. I was riding in the car on the way home from Riverdale. This was a last year, a couple years ago, maybe sometime. I was riding on the way home from Riverdale. And I'm, I'm riding home. I'm a little tired. And I just, I, just, I just had this, I had this feeling like there was this couple and I just had this feeling like maybe they needed something to eat. And I, it was just a feeling. It was, watch this, it was strong enough to get my attention, but weak enough for me to ignore. And, and there have been impressions that I got. I'm just like, uh, see, 
Now, I responded that day. I called the person. I said, hey, what's going on? I just kind of felt like, and then we were just sitting here trying to figure out what we were going to eat. So then I sent my wife, and she got some groceries for them and all that type of stuff. That's not talking about somebody wanting chicken, you know, about a whole farm for me. I know what I'm saying. I fill up the whole cupboard, you know. And so, so now, had they called me and asked, I would have been, thank you, it would have been faster. If they would have just called and say, hey, do you have it? Then I would have been like, oh, man, please, you know, yeah, absolutely. But I had to, because they were, instead of, because they were being prideful, and instead of asking somebody at the church, look, walk up to somebody. No, nah, don't turn it into a whole scheme. You know what I'm saying? But sometimes you got to ask. And, 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 but if sometimes if you, I'm not saying you can't wait. I don't know where the line is. And I'm, and I'm tired of people trying to preach the line like they're experts. But I don't know where the line is. And so if I don't know where the line is, I can't tell you where it is. All I can do is tell you to do the best. And, I mean, God has blessed me in my stupidity and my unbelief. And my fear and me messing up. So so I got a whole track record of him doing this for me because he's so good. You know what I'm saying? You do the same thing for your kids. So so there have been people who've asked, but then there have been other times when I didn't tell anybody and I got a knock on my front door. And my sister came and put my whole house full of groceries. That was when we were downsizing to come to Detroit. And so if the posture of your heart is, Father, I don't want to tell anybody. I want you to come through for me. I want it to be supernatural. I don't want anyone to know my circumstances. Not from a place of pride, from a place of you're really exercising your faith and you're really expecting your Father to move on your behalf. You can do that. You can petition for him for that, and he will come through for you without a soul even knowing. Yes. Because you ask him for that. Let me, but let me see. Let me, let me do the other side, though, which is you can do that, but always know that when you ask God to do a thing a particular way, he might disagree with you. And he might say, I know. Now, sometimes he respect that. And other times he might say, no, I want you to talk to such, such, such. Because what you're asking for might be, might need to be private for particular reasons. Or what you're asking for might need to be private because you're prideful. And God is always going to break fear. Let me tell you something. When it comes to this stuff, he's always going to break fear and pride. Fear and pride. He's always going to break it. Fear and pride. Because he needs you to be bold and humble. Okay? All right, that's enough, y'all. It's some good stuff, isn't it? Yes, indeedy. Hallelujah. What? You good? Oh, my wife is just revelating in the basket of the glory. Amen. Yes, hallelujah. So let's go ahead and stand. Let's go ahead and stand. Hallelujah.